It's been a long time uh, since we've had the chance to be together to worship. Even this small group of you is very moving to me because I've missed being together like this. I think you have too, am I right? We've still got a long way to go before we're able to gather like this with each other. And what we want in the meantime, between now and when we are able all to be together, is we want folks to keep growing. We want that for each and every individual in our community, and we want that for our church all together. Even though we're separated, and even though that is difficult, we want to be growing still, and we have a strategy for that. And that's what we're beginning this morning. Now, to enable growth, we are going to be working on reading the Bible together. And the reason for that is we know that one of the surest ways that God keeps us growing, especially in hard times, is when we spend time reading the Bible. I suspect that some of you know that from experience, that God has brought you through a difficult time as you've spent time in the scriptures. For me, my first semester in seminary was a really challenging season. Lots was changing in my life, but mostly it was about a really difficult relationship that I was in. I felt very alone, and it was like I was being ground down every day. My second semester, our general ministry teacher, his name was Dr. Stewart, gave the class altogether a challenge. He said that anyone who would agree to reading the Bible every day and journaling about it for the whole semester along with uh, reading a Christian devotional that he would give us, he would take that student out for coffee. And because I was enamored by the professors, I agreed to do it. And so I got the devotional, I got my Bible and my journal, I got my fountain pen, and I woke up early in the morning, I lit a candle, I brewed a pot of coffee, and I sat down and I started to read. And I did it every day just like that for the first two weeks— And then about week three, I gave up on the devotional. But I didn't give up on reading the Bible. Because after a little time passed, what I discovered was that I didn't actually care anymore to go out with the professor. And what other people had to say about God in this devotional were less important to me than what I discovered God was saying to me every time that I sat down in the morning and began to read. I found that what was happening was that God was sustaining me through a difficult time through his word. Uh, He was encouraging me where I couldn't encourage myself. Uh, He was teaching me and he was equipping me. He was sustaining me for the challenges, but he also was challenging me where I needed to be challenged. In fact, every morning what was happening was that God was helping me grow through the time I spent in the Bible. And so after a month, it wasn't a chore anymore to get up early. It was a delight because I found that I needed this like a plant that is growing needs water. And what I want for you and for everyone who's a part of our community is to have an experience like that to keep on growing in this time when we can't be all together and when it's really challenging. And so here's what we're going to do. Uh, This morning, and every week all the way up through Easter, we're going to stay in one book of the New Testament, and that's the book of 1 Thessalonians. 
And we're going to do that to practice reading the Bible together so that we can see how God will grow us. Open your Bible, if you can, uh, to the book of 1 Thessalonians. This is the oldest bit of writing in the New Testament. The very first thing that was written was this letter by the Apostle Paul. When we meet him in the New Testament, he's actually not called Paul, he is Saul. And at that point in his life, he was adamant in working against this new Christian movement. He was a a very prominent and successful Jewish teacher. He was on his way to Damascus to try to put down this new development that was happening in the synagogues there when the risen Jesus met him on the road and changed him completely. He changed his name from Saul to Paul, and he changed his mission from trying to stop this new growth into becoming a person who did everything he could to share Jesus with as many people as possible. And that new mission sent Paul, all over the Mediterranean, from city to city with the good news of Jesus, one of the cities he went to was Thessalonica. And after he was there, he wrote this letter. Now turn uh, to the second chapter and find verse 17 because we're going to start in the middle of this letter because this is where we get the clearest picture of the situation from which this letter arose. And that's important for us to understand. So listen to verse 17 in chapter 2. As for us, brothers and sisters, when for a short time we were made orphans by being separated from you in person, not in heart, we longed with great eagerness to see you face to face. Now, these are the words of a man who is separated from people who he desperately misses. They used to be together face to face, and it was wonderful. And now they're not together like that anymore. They're still connected in their hearts. Did you hear him say that? We're separated physically, not in our hearts. They're still together in their hearts, but they're not able to be with one another like they used to be. And that is so hard for the man who writes these words that it feels like what he imagines an orphan would feel like if it were separated from its parents. Not being able to be together for him is like being removed from family. That's why he addresses them as brothers and sisters. And because of this, he is desperate to be together with them again. We can relate to that experience too, can't we? After 10 months now of not being able to gather as Renaissance Church all together on Sundays for worship, we have a sense for what he must feel like. Do you remember all those days back when we gathered in the opera house? How long ago that was? And can't you feel this desperate desire to be together again? That is the feeling out of which this letter arose. And this is important because the way God helps us grow through Scripture is when we understand it as best we can. And that backstory for this letter is really important. You can actually read the backstory in detail in the book of Acts. If you read Acts 17, you'll hear what happened leading up to this letter. Paul and Silas, he's also called Silvanus, 
had been traveling through the region and they landed in Thessalonica. The first thing they did is they went to the synagogue there. And the reason they did that is Paul's practice was to go to the place where God's people, the Israelites, the Jewish folks, were reading the Torah and the prophets together and still hoping that one day the Messiah would come. And what Paul did when he got there is he told them, the Messiah you've been hoping for has finally arrived. It was Jesus of Nazareth. And he did that in Thessalonica and he did that week after week. And what happened is some of the Jews there began to believe in Jesus. And not only did the Jews in the synagogue believe, but also there were many God-fearing Greeks in the city who also came to faith, along with some very prominent women. And this was beautiful. A community of faith, a church grew because of the gospel. And that's beautiful when that happens. It also caused some jealousy. For the folks in the synagogue who weren't able to believe in Jesus, it caused jealousy. They gathered together some folks to resist this new development. A mob formed right in the marketplace in Thessalonica. The authorities got involved, and the ways they dealt with it was to get rid of Paul and Silas. And so after too short a time, they had to leave Thessalonica behind. And even though they were separated from this community physically, their hearts were still connected with the people there. And that's the situation from which this letter arose. Now, here's a lesson for us as readers of the Scripture. It's an interpretive principle that we should have in mind. And this will always help you read the Bible better. And listen, it will help God grow you better when you have this kind of stuff in mind. The situation here is not an academic lecture about some theological doctrines to be believed with your mind. That's not what we're reading here, okay? It's not a, a historical uh, collection of, of information that should be read like you read the newspaper reports. That's not what this letter is, okay? It's not instructions for you to follow so that when you die, you get to go to heaven, that's not, first of all, what we have here. We have in this letter, we have some doctrinal material that will help us know what Christians believe better. We have historical information. This is a real situation. My family and I were actually in this city two summers ago. It's a real place. And there, there is instruction in here, but none of those things are primarily what this letter is. And we have to know the context in order that God can use this to grow us well. And here's what we have. This is God's word written to a group of people who are desperately being missed. It's very personal. And listen now, it's written to people who had already come to faith. They, they believed. They had received the gospel. But now there's a real question as to whether they're still growing or not. Paul, after having to leave Thessalonica, he's still thinking of them. Now he's all the way down in Athens and he's worried, are they still growing or has everything stopped? In my absence, is their faith there still or have they given up? He knew how hard it was when he left and so he's afraid. And out of that feeling, he writes this letter. And, and there in Athens, when he, he can't stop wondering about whether they're gonna be okay or not, he comes up with a strategy to deal with his anxiety and we see what that strategy is in verse one of chapter three. Look there now. Therefore, when we could bear it no longer, we decided to be left alone in Athens and we sent Timothy. Okay, now down there in Athens, 
where Paul is up to new gospel work. He's got his friend Silas or Silvanus there with him, and they've met up with another worker, Timothy, who's a gospel worker, but there in the city, the strategy that Paul has for dealing with this anxiety is let's send Timothy back up to Thessalonica and maybe he can give us a report about what's happening there. Maybe he can find out if they're still uh, serving God or if they've turned away. And so they send him to get information about what's going on. And if we can look down in verse six, we'll see the outcome. But Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love. He's told us also that you always remember us kindly and long to see us just as we long to see you. You should try to imagine what it would have been like to be in Athens, there with Paul and Silas, Timothy's gone, and you have to wait a long time because it takes a long while to go all the way up and come back down. And then the moment when he comes back and instead of a frown and tears, he is smiling joyfully and he says the best thing that you could possibly hear, they still have faith. They haven't turned away from God. In fact, they're still trusting him just like when we left, but now they're trusting him even more because even though it's been really hard all these months, they're still trusting God. And, and yes, they're, they're also walking on that road that Jesus tells us is the most important road to walk on, which is loving the world around you. Even though they live in a city where they're persecuted because of their Christian faith and you were driven out, they are still loving the people around them, even their enemies. Good news. And just like We've been missing them, Timothy says. They've also been missing us. Just like we've been longing to see them, they've been longing to see us, which means even in this terrible environment, they are going on with hope. And that news is so good that it sustains Paul through this terrible time. I hope that some of us in this room have had the experience over these months of hearing good news like that from people who are a part of Renaissance Church, even though we've been separated from them, they're still growing. Have some of you had that experience? I'll tell you one of the best things for me about the building tours that I've done is when I meet people for the first time who've become a part of what God's doing at Renaissance Church online, and then they tell me, God has been growing me so profoundly through what you guys have been doing online. Oh my gosh, that, that lifts me in a time that it's hard to feel encouraged. Or when I see folks on the building tour that I haven't seen for a long time, and as soon as I see them, I can picture where they used to sit in the opera house, and I've been thinking about them, and now I see them, and they say, it's been really hard, but God is helping me grow. That news is so good, it sustains me. The same happened here in Thessalonica. That when Paul heard from Timothy that they're still growing in faith, here, look at what he says in verse 7. For this reason, that is because I've heard this news, brothers and sisters, during all our distress and persecution, we have been encouraged about you through your faith. For we now live if you continue to stand firm in the Lord. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy that we feel before our God because of you? 
There is so much joy in this news that they are doing well, it overshadows every challenge Paul has faced. No matter what else is going wrong, the fact that this is going right makes everything seem all right. Knowing that they're standing firm in the Lord is like new life for him. Even if everything else is making him feel like he's dying inside, this brings life. And now he can tolerate the distance, but that doesn't mean he's okay forever being apart. Not at all. He still wants to be together. And you can see that in verse 10. Look at what he says in verse 10. Night and day, we pray most earnestly that we may see you face to face and restore whatever is lacking in your faith. He still wants to be together with them, and he's praying for it night and day to be together face to face once more. Of course, at this point, there's nothing he can do about it because he's in Athens, and he was forcibly removed from Thessalonica. So he still wants it, though he can't have it. But that's not the only aspiration he mentions in verse 10. And it's not the only thing he's praying for. Do you notice the other thing? In addition to wanting to see them, he says this. He also wants to restore whatever is lacking in their faith. And even though they can't be together, there is something he can do about that. And this letter is what he can do. Think of it. In order to help them go on growing, he writes this letter to them, which they can read and which he knows God will use to help them keep growing in the way that God wants them to grow. When they read this, they will keep growing. And that's how the Bible is meant to work for them and for us too. When we read this, God will use this to keep us growing. How? How does the Bible help us keep growing? Uh, there are many different answers that different folks will give to that question as to just how the Bible helps someone grow. For me, and I want you to understand this because I'm the one leading you in this way. For me, the best answer comes when we look at the Bible as a whole and observe how God uses people that he calls and equips to do his work in the world. That's how the Bible helps us grow. For me, when I do that, when I look at the Bible in that way, what I see is that God helps us grow through Scripture by inviting us into his mission and then equipping us for his mission. Inviting and equipping. That's how the Bible helps us grow. The invitation comes with the gospel, which is the central message of the whole Bible. The gospel tells you that you have been saved by grace so that you can become an agent of God's good work in the world. You've been saved, now get to work. When we read the Bible, we can see that's how God works. He saves ordinary people by his grace and then makes them agents of his mission in the world, inviting them. We can see this in God's way with Abraham. He makes a promise to bless Abraham. That's grace. And then he makes a promise to bless the whole world through Abraham. That's mission. We can see it in God's way with the people of Israel altogether. He frees them from slavery. He gives them a great place to grow in. That's grace. So that they will bear fruit for the world of justice and righteousness. That's mission. 
It's the same with Jesus and the disciples. He brings them together and then he freely gives them the love of God which saves them, grace, and then he gives them the responsibility of loving others in the world. That's their mission. Do you see the pattern? It's exactly the same in every letter that Paul writes in the New Testament where he teaches the communities that he writes to, first of all, that because of God's grace, they are invited into his mission. That's how it is in Thessalonians. And then... And then secondly, the Bible helps us grow by equipping us for that mission. By teaching us what we need to know so that we can pass on the good news that we have received. By building us up so that we have the kind of character, the kind of attitudes in the world, and the kind of behaviors that are faithful witnesses to the grace of God. By showing us the way that God wants us to walk through life so our lives actually proclaim the gospel which invites. Inviting and equipping is how the Bible helps us grow. That's how it was for those folks in Thessalonica and that's what our aim together here is going to be as we study this letter each Sunday. And we trust that. We believe it. That as we do so, God will help us keep growing. Now, we want that so much for you and for everyone who's a part of our community. That we're not just going to rely on Sunday. We have some other uh, gifts that we want to offer to help folks grow. The first will be our weekly community groups. Uh, Those leaders will have been prepared to guide whoever is willing to be a part of those groups through weekly discussions of what we're learning together in Thessalonians. And those times will also take folks further into the Bible. I know how tedious Zoom can be. I don't like it either. I don't. But if we push ourselves, we can spend time each week reading and then talking about it with others in a way that we can't do in in our time together here. And so I want to encourage everyone to sign up renchurch.com slash groups to get involved in one of those community groups. And that's the second way you can grow in addition to here. Here's a third way. Not Monday, but next week, we are going to start sending out daily text messages once again, five days a week, Monday through Friday. We did this at the beginning of the pandemic. Folks said it was helpful for them. The messages we'll send are actually going to guide you through all four of the Gospels, reading them yourself, Monday through Friday, and and in two months, you'll read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John with the prompts that I will put together each morning to help you grow as you read the Bible. Um, We we really want to encourage folks to sign up for that and to to share that benefit. Uh, but, But what we'll do here is to, is to listen to how God wants us to grow. One more thing before we're done this morning. How specifically will it look if we're growing as God was growing those folks in Thessalonica? This is a, a very practical and concrete question for us to end on. I want you to look back at verse 6 in chapter 3 and take note of the content of the good news that Timothy observed in those folks. And if you, if you want to, underline this in your Bible. There are three things he names. The first is faith. The second is love. And those two words are used directly. The third is hope. 
And that word's not used there, but what he means when he describes their longing to see him and going on believing that they're going to see him is hope. And these three, these three are foundational virtues for Christians. Faith, love, and hope. And whenever a Christian individual or community grows, the way it's going to grow is in these three areas. You've probably heard those three together if you've spent any time in the Bible, right? And maybe you've heard them like this, faith, hope, and love. They're in that order in the letter that Paul writes to the church at Corinth. And they're in that order there because the most important thing for them to grow in in Corinth is love. And and maybe you know that story, but the people were fighting with each other. They weren't treating each other in a loving way. And in that letter, he he uses those three, but he leaves the most important for last in Corinth because they needed to get their act together with love. In this letter, he leaves hope last. And you're going to see this in two other places in the letter as we read. He leaves hope last because for them, that's the most important virtue at this time in their lives is hope. They had been growing in faith. Excellent. They were still growing in love. Great. Thankfully, they still had hope, but that was important because it was really hard for them in this time. And I think this is a timely letter for us as a church because I know we're growing in faith. I know that. I know people are growing in love, but I still can see plainly that the one that we need the most is hope. I've heard that in the folks that I've talked to. I can't tell you how many times people have said, we love online church, but It's just not enough to sit by ourselves and watch it. I can't wait till we're together again. That's hope. And so what we're going to do next week is we are going to go back to the beginning of the letter because now that we have the context, we're ready to hear it more clearly and we'll start at the beginning and what we're going to see right away is we're going to see faith and love and hope and that's what we'll talk about next week what it looks like when God builds that up in a community there and how God will build it up for us. And what we want is for all of you to keep growing. I I can't wait until we're back together again next week and I can't wait until all of the folks who will be seeing us together here online are able to be all together. Until then, we're gonna pray for God's help that'll grow us and that'll continue to grow faith love and hope in us. Let's do that together now. Let's pray. Oh God, I am so grateful for this time to be together with these dear brothers and sisters in Christ. With the folks who you've brought together as staff at this church and for uh, the members of uh, their family and, and those who are close to them who were able to join us this morning. I pray that you will have inspired and built us up in this time so that we are more open to the invitation you're giving us to be a part of your mission and we're more equipped for it because, my God, we know the world needs more than ever authentic Christians who live in faith and in love and with hope. Our world needs that and we want you to build us up so that we become that. We also ask that everyone who's able to join us online is also growing because of the time we spent together this morning and set up to grow in these days ahead. Help the strategies that we are pursuing achieve the goal of helping us grow. I pray that everyone who's hesitant or reluctant to join up in a community group would take that step and do it. And I pray that everyone 
who's ready to begin the practice of reading the Bible daily would help us help them by joining up with our daily text messages. And then I simply ask that you would use this time to make us more and more faithful witnesses as individuals and as a church so that you bless the world that you love so much through Renaissance Church and through each one of us in the way that you can. We ask this in the name of Jesus who has graciously invited us and who is ready to build us up for his work in the world. In his name we pray, amen.